Welcome to House Gale, boys. I am Duke Liam, as always, joined by Baron Jordan. I like how I'm the uh, the Baron in this uh, conversation. I you watched that fucking uh, David Lynch movie recently, and the scene when um the uh, Baron Trump fucking harasses that thing to death is uh man, that's that's still uh, that still hurts me. Oh, it's disturbing. Oh, it's so disturbing that scene. But uh, this is our uh, our June episodes. This is the uh, the opening to June month. Certain uh, movie is coming out finally in uh, March. That I've been waiting for for the last fucking three years now. So yeah, uh, it was supposed to come out in November, but uh, writer strike, actor strike, Warner Brothers having massive financial problems because the mm. fucking owner is a fucking idiot. Uh, yeah. I'll cancel three movies, but I'm also going to spend, like, I, I don't know if you read this, but he just announced, like, we're going to have a Harry Potter TV show. It was like, J.K. Rowling's involved. Isn't that awesome? And everyone yeah. was just, like, the muted response that he got was hilarious. Oh, so tasty. To, to, to fucking revisit that franchise, didn't the last attempt at that bomb hard, yeah. couldn't you just, like, turn Dune into a fucking franchise because it has like so much fucking potential but it's like no we'll 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 do one movie after like three years great that's priority straight right there let's give this twitter brained bitch who like is just acts like a fucking idiot uh, god damn it fucking oh she's she's no fucking Frank Herbert oh she wishes she was Frank Herbert (laughs) not even just with writing but just the esotericism and his weird both good and bad of his philosophy but uh yeah so this is this is our intro to dune month we're going to be doing mostly because dune is um one of the it's so funny it took like both these films but we're going to talk about the first film in particular because dune in particular is one of the most fascinating pieces of science fiction text not just as a you know it was written in the mid 60s predates star trek predates star wars there's so many ways to interpret it it's such a very it's so fun to unpack the weird mythology that he built and just it's a a lot of ways of a a parable of a lot of real life people i'll get into that when i get into it but my god as as someone who's read like most of those books not all of them because there's like a hundred of them i've read maybe like 90 of them in terms of quality it's very much a roller coaster all the the Frank Herbert uh, books are very good. They're, they're genuinely weird. I know the term gets thrown around a lot, but that fucking those books are like genuinely like I read them when I was a teenager in high school, and I was just like baffled by all the fucking like worm shit, and I still kind of am. And then you have like his like fail son Brian who wrote all the fucking prequels and stuff, and they're not very good. He had a much more talented son to take over, but uh, we'll get into that later down the road in this episode. But uh, yeah, that's the thing about Frank Herbert. And a lot of, he's like H.P. Lovecraft, where an amazing body of work, but when you really get into his, his personal politics, it's troubling in fact i would actually hb uh, lovecraft's not a good comparison because hb lovecraft tried to uh make himself better at least tried to rehab of his racism i'd say he's more like orson scott card where just yeah like, he's yeah he's like the uh the interesting orson scott card because i remember reading Enver's game in high school when i was very sort of nonplussed by it whereas june is like 
the R fucking sci-fi franchise. Because when you think of sci-fi books back then, it's like it's very hard sci-fi, like Harlan Ellison and shit. Whereas yeah. this is like there's a couple references to machines, but it's mostly just like character-driven. Because the first time you read Dune as a book, it's a very it's it's kind of incomprehensible because Frank Herbert kind of lore lore dumps so much shit very early on. It can get a little overwhelming, but once you get into like once once the actual plot kicks in, it makes sense. And honestly, though, the the best part about Dune, though, as a, as the book as a whole, for all the weird esotericism and lore, it's a pretty straightforward story. It's not that hard to understand. It's just all of this other stuff that's built around it. Yeah, it's a like bog standard uh, revenge. It's basically Hamlet, like little Paul's uh, Hamlet taking revenge against his dad and his his evil grandpa, who's like incestuous and shit. It's, it's basically Hamlet in yeah, space. Yeah, that's exactly. But it has all this like esoteric shit pillowed on top of it. There's even a little bit of Oedipus with some incest. Mm, yeah. It's not implied, but like the the shit with mom. Um, and there's uh, there's elements to that in the film. Uh, well, well, we're we're actually not really going to talk about the David Lynch adaptation because you know even David Lynch wasn't proud of it, and Dino De Laurentiis yeah. cut like an hour of it, and com- like even Dino will admit, yeah, I probably shouldn't have cut that hour because it made the movie a fucking mess. Yeah, it's a uh, very interesting. Who took that over uh, the Turn of the Jedi? It's still very funny. I, I honestly, I I love that story. Of David Lynch <laughs> going to visit George Lucas and just... Uh, I had such a headache. Uh. He took me upstairs and he showed me these things called Wookiees. And now this headache is getting, you know, getting stronger. <laughs> then he took me for a ride in his Ferrari for a lunch. And George is kind of short, so he was... His seat was way back, and he was almost laying down in the car. We were flying through this little town up in Northern California. We went to a restaurant. Not that I don't like salad, but that's all they had was was salad. <laughs> <laughs> then I got a really uh, an almost like a migraine headache. Even before I got home, I kind of crawled into a phone booth and phoned my agent. I said, there's no way, no way I can do this. He said, David, 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 calm down. You don't have to do this. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm going to go to, I'm going to sh- uh, do it in Mexico for like two years of Kel McGuire. That's, right? that's why I fucking love David Lynch. This guy wrote Eraserhead. And yet a Wookiee is too much for him to comprehend. <laughs> I, I love David Lynch so fucking much. <laughs> but I, I actually think the Lynch film, despite, you know, being a, a mess, like the production alone is a story by itself of literally, like literally hip threw an Alan Smithy credit on it. And it does have its moments though. My favorite is the, um, the line. Listen, we have one sign the likes of which even God has never seen. Uh, Kyle McLaughlin McLaughlin does a great Return of the Fighters bit. Uh, Sting in that cod piece is just Mm. one of the weirdest moments in film history. Yeah, uh, it's very much like the polar opposite of the Velodive movie. The the lunch movie uh, looks like there's a lot of good set pieces in that. It's very colourful and stuff, but the story is a fucking mess. Whereas the Velodive movie has like 
the exact like opposite problem. The story's more coherent, but it's like a grey movie. Yeah. It's not a lot of colour to it, which it's, we'll get into. Yeah, so we may as well get into it. We're talking uh, mainly this episode's gonna cover it through the lens of uh, the Dune the Denny Villeneuve adaptation. Uh he's he, he has an S, but you gotta call him Denny because he's from Quebec and in Canada that's how they say that shit. But uh, De- Denny's rise is so fascinating because he i'm from canada he's like our new ambassador to cinema over here he's like what we used to have like david cronenberg but now it's denny Villeneuve because uh his rise is fascinating he primarily worked in quebec um made like really like creepy art house movies he made a movie about polytechnic which i still think is his best movie it's like black and white it's polytechnic if you don't know it's based on the the first like it's our columbine basically it was this really bad school shooting uh the guy who did it's kind of the proto incel because this was like the 80s uh before that term was even a thing and his manifesto was like i am doing not doing this for social or sexual reasons i'm doing this for political reasons and he did a movie about it and it's very harrowing very disturbing but we got on the radar when he did a movie called prisoners uh in 2013 mm-hmm. which is um actually 10 years ago it is a very bleak, very depressing film about Hugh Jackman yeah. torturing a socially awkward man to find his missing yeah. daughter. You know, it's weird that uh, Dune is probably his like least black pilled movie of like everything he's done, <laughs> which is kind of kind of baffling to me. Yeah, there, there's no scene where like mentally disabled man gets beaten with hammers. There's there's no real equivalent to, to that in this there's, movie. There's no scene where um uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is grumbling about his PTSD. Like it's just I love Prisoner. Prisoners is such a fucking harrowing movie. I showed it to a buddy of mine um after sicario came out and he was just like i can't believe you made me watch this <laughs> he, was, yeah. he was so uncomfortable it is a very good movie a great cast uh but yeah then he does sicario which we did we talked about in our last episode uh really really weird movie uh does Arrival, which is uh, uh well i was gonna say it's his most hopeful film but no it's pretty blackpilling because that's a movie where yeah yeah, there's there's a great scene in that where um some soldiers listen to you no know, Alex Jones and decide to kill the aliens. It's uh, <laughs> it's very fun. I I love also a, like when Amy Adams like realizes I'm doomed to replay this life that I've lived. You know, it's it's it is a downer film for what it is. Yeah. And then and then he does Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which is probably his most famous film. It's been memed endlessly yes. since it came out. <laughs> Even though it, like, it didn't bomb, but it didn't do too hot at the no, box yeah. office, it's risen to be this, like, cultural, uh, touchstone movie. It's like, even if you haven't seen the movie, you've, you've, you've absorbed it through osmosis, through, yeah. like, countless memes and shit. It's R- Ryan Goslin, like, fucking looking up and just, like, it's... I, I, I like Blade Runner, I do. I It's funny, that had the same life as the original Blade Runner came out with a, was a financial disappointment was risen and became this like cult favorite among weirdos and i especially find it funny that all the people that love it are very much like ryan Gosling, very similar like <laughs> yeah. this woman i love isn't real so now i'm depressed it's very tragic that it's become like a pro incel movie paul's kind of a like an incel now that i think oh, he's, a total... he's, he's he's driven by like weird psychosexual politics of his fucking parents and stuff oh, I, I, of, uh... I remember when this came out i was like i i wasn't interested in timothy chalamet because we both we both despise call me by your name 
and mm-hmm. like that's what he's best known for. And you know, I heard he was going to be in it, and I was I was mixed on the casting, and then I saw the movie. And I realized this is probably some of the best casting you could have had for Paul Atreides. Because, oh, yeah. like, Timothy is a weird actor because on the surface, he's very, like, twink-friendly. He's a very happy-go-lucky guy. He's, he's, he's like a uh, Tumblr was an actor. He's, Pretty he's, much. He's Tumblr core. He, he, um, he's like... Very a, much like a, one of the successful Johnny Depp crones. Yeah. You know, he, he, he makes me think of, like, uh, DiCaprio before he got uh, swole. Before he did, oh, yeah, like, yeah. Blood Diamond and shit like that. Like, uh, Leo DiCaprio, we know now, like, this is, like, Titanic DiCaprio. He was a weird... He had this weird look to him, but he was very attractive to some young girls. And um, But, like, it's so funny. All the films he does are really nihilistic, very fucking weird movies. Aside from that weird Wonka movie he did, which I do mm-hmm. think... No, that's, no, that's also a nightmare, but, like, a different kind of nightmare. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but it's funny because... He is like people say the death of the movie star. It, I don't think so because uh, Wonka was a fucking huge box office hit. Like I didn't see it. No one else saw no. it. I know, but it was it made like six hundred million dollars. It was a fucking huge yeah, it's hit. It was biggest fucking box office draw. This Wally Wonka prequel, which is just like mincing around, reprising Gene Wilder fucking bits. Well, I mean, whereas if- here it's like he actually has to do stuff. He actually has to, like, act and not just, like, play his whimsical ass. Paul is such a weird, complicated character. And I think he does a really good job at it because, again, this is such a... Velenue, the first film, uh, only comprises half of the book. It ends when he joins the Furman with his mom on the run. He's very much not in his element. He tries to do the sparring with um, Duncan Idaho and just can't fucking do it. And It's especially funny, like, watching, revisiting this movie... With the lens of knowing the the second film is just going to be the other half of this book. Like, if you've read this book, you know how this ends. But it's especially funny, like, go, like watching these two films as standalone films, you know. Because, I, like I said, most people I know have, like, I know a friend of mine who, like, saw the first Villeneuve film. Like, I want to read the book. And found that it's a thousand pages long. <laughs> it's so long. It's And it, it's kind of hard to talk about this movie as a standalone film because knowing that they're both like connected they're both literally the same text but it does the like kind of annoying thing hollywood does now with book adaptions it's like yeah we'll adapt a fucking thousand page uh novel so we'll have to like cut it in half and stuff probably the most egregious is still it because like that first movie is like it's not good but it's fine and then the second movie is like noticeably worse yeah and i'm like and I, I, I think Dune 2 will be, like, bad, but it'll be interesting to see if this, like, actually, like, totally holds up with well, the first movie. I know I saw an interview with Villeneuve saying it would be more fun, which I think, because mm, it, it, yes. gets, it gets into the <laughs> writing. No, no, nothing's, nothing's more fun than watching uh, Fade Falford behead uh, slave gladiators. <laughs> that's fun, right? <laughs> that's, a, that's, we've talked, Villeneuve's idea of fun is very weird. Uh, Half the characters like aren't in this. You see the Baron, you see uh, Beast for Bad and stuff, but you don't see Fade, who's like the de facto main bad guy in this. Yeah. He's like he's like vaguely alluded to, and there was a lot of speculation around like, oh, who's going to play Fade in Dune Two? And it's yes, yeah, Elvis. I okay. actually love that casting. 
I really, really do. Oh yeah, I, I, I love we'll, the. We'll, we'll get into the, into the next episodes, but I do like how he's just like a demonic baby. He's just like this weird little guy. I, I love the. I'm also mad as hell. He said he got rid of the Elvis accent for us. <laughs> I wanted Fairafa Elvis so fucking bad. I cannot. I'm gonna kill you, Paul Traitors. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid shit like that would have been just so fun. But yeah, uh, going back to, to the first film, like I said, we're going to do our best to cover this first film. Because, like I said, we both read this book. So the thing about this movie that I think one of the reasons people gravitated to it so well is from a production standpoint, it is phenomenal. I was the same. I saw this movie three different times in three different formats. Like IMAX and fucking 35mm and shit. It's, it's one of those movies that reminds you, like what movies can be yeah. it doesn't have to be like this this like green screen marvel shock where no one gives a fuck you can actually have some like proper spectacle and shit i mean i mean it, the, the thing is is that it's spectacle that actually feels big like marvel oh, yeah. movies and then that fucking um all the shit at the end for the fucking hark and then sadakar invading and there's fucking explosions and battles and shit oh, it's the- like yeah this is the closest to fucking like Lords of the Rings we've had for yeah for a long fucking that's time. That's what it felt like. It very much had like because the costume design as well. Because that's one of my favorite parts of the the costumes in this movie are fucking amazing. All of the stuff that um when they come off the ship, the uh, the Emperor giving them back uh, the planet and just like yeah the uh, the Herald of the Change and stuff. Yeah, they have like, and all the fucking like and shit. It's fucking amazing. Yeah, they're all like in robes and stuff, and the guilds look like fucking Daft Punk, uh, like cyberpunk guys. I love That's, um, it's gonna be interesting seeing the more esoteric stuff with the like guild navigators and stuff. Because that's what everyone remembers from the lunch movie, the fucking giant face in the jar. It's going to be interesting yeah, to that, see what, like, that was how partly, they have manifest that. That was partly my thing. My favorite views of this movie are going to be people who have never read the book of that second movie. <laughs> because it's like, oh boy, because the guilt. I, yeah, because, but, yeah, going back. So the cast of this movie is partly why I think it, this cast is fucking massive. Dave Bautista, who does such a good job at playing the Baron's prissy son. That fucking scene is so great. Uncle, how can we let this happen? How can the Emperor take everything we've built and give it to that Duke? How? He's an interesting character because he's basically like the meathead nephew. He's the fail son who's set up to fucking eat shit. In the book, he has like two vaguely intelligent lines. Why did we do this in the first place? Couldn't we have just like, couldn't we have done this a different way? Yeah. And the fucking Baron's like, oh, you're like, you're actually somewhat smart. I'm, I'm going to regret setting you up to die here. But um, yeah, yeah the fucking uh, the, the contrast between um, all the Atreides stuff. They're like, is is this like heroic fucking bagpipes and and salutes and shit? The Atreides uh, like chant in this. The, 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 they're shouting the house name, yeah, the the fucking um, awesome. oh the soldiers are loyal and stuff. Yeah. Whereas the Harkonnens are like, no, no, nobody actually likes working for them. They're basically just like mercenaries led by this fucking this this pervert, this fucking. Oh. Uh, uh, he's he's great in this. I love Skarsgård. Oh my god, this is casting one oh one. This is when I heard that he was cast as the Baron. I was like, yes. And he kills it in this movie. That, like, the first time we're introduced to him, he's sitting in a fucking sauna 
like in front of everyone, just butt ass naked, just like we will continue to do what we have to do, and like, and I just love that. Like, it doesn't go far out. We don't see him sexually assaulting people like we do in the book or even in the Lynch film, but. Uh, there's definitely elements of his perversion, again, bathing in front of naked people. And the, the shot of this movie, the shot of this film that really just was the moment I'm like, I love this movie, is when he he starts floating. Because in the book, the Baron floats, and he just goes, My desert. My Arrakis. My dune. Just that, and hearing Skarsgård mumble through bated breath was amazing. And I do enjoy how uh, the Baron can walk. He just chooses not to. So he has this fucking like gravity lift thing implanted into his back. I, I love. He just floats everywhere. That scene where he's fucking, uh, he's chowing down in dinner as uh, Oscar Isaac's lying naked, fucking, uh, just waiting to die. I love. And fucking Skarsgård's just like. Wait till I finish my beer, then I'll deal with you. I, I love how um, Villeneuve basically portrays him as a gangster. He's like space oh, yeah, he's godfather. A he's a mob boss in this. He's literally... Because in the book, he's a rapist, psycho, sexual maniac. Here he's sort of like... He, there's definitely elements of his perversion. The the scene where he gets out of his adrenochrome bath. Which oh, is that rules. I love that scene. Rose's shots. Just this bath and tar. Like... <laughs> That is awesome. That's what I enjoy about this movie. Veronov does make some uh, plot changes in the book. It's, um, it's the fucking advisor that gets owned and the Baron gets away scot-free. Whereas here, um, Skarsgård gets poisoned. And that fucking scene where he's like, he's curled up in a ball in a corner and his guards have to like fish him down with a big net. It's uh, <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah, I do think I do think some of the changes are a little like some of them work, some of them don't. I think it's just to make some of this this book because this is a hard. This has always been one of those like books that was considered unfilmable. There's a lot of books like that, but this was one that was for years. Again, we had the with the Lynch film. We had a TV adaptation that wasn't particularly great and things like that. Mm -hmm. It's been like a weird. Um like weird series of uh, failures up until this point i actually rewatched the uh sci-fi series last year because i was on a kind of a dune binge and that also has a weird cast like william hart and fucking um like susan saradin and stuff isn't james mcavoy it's, it's, in it as well oh yeah yeah james mcavoy is um uh leo to the big worm guy oh my god and it's like I, I hope this movie fucking makes a billion dollars so we can get like one step closer to the giant worm. I just I want to see that I, in I, fucking in movie form. I know um I know um uh Velodiv has talked about doing a third film. Fuck and yes. It will depend entirely on the success of that second film. Going back to the film, I just some like I said, going to the weird casting decisions. Uh Rebecca Ferguson as Lady Jessica. It's a great pick because she has like weird, she radiates weird like fucked up milf vibes throughout this movie like that scene where paul takes his shirt off she's watching him and then she Ooh. looks away immediately is so revealed like i said they, like i know he cut down a lot on the weird stuff but that is like it's heavily implied it's very and i i feel like if you're going to adapt dune you have to you have to address it there's just no way you could you could not address it yeah, there's a, a lot of incest, a lot of Habsburg stuff in that book, like the Baron's fucking like drooling over his nephews constantly. Oh, okay. It's like, oh, yeah, no, not so, weird. 
Oh, that's so creepy. The book when I was reading it, it was just like the best is if you listen to an audiobook when I'm at work because I re-listened to the audiobook at work and I was like publicly trying to hold back revulsion yeah. as they got into him like thirsting over his child child nephews. You're like, oh my god, yeah. this guy's a monster. My, my beautiful nephew says, I want to kiss him. I want to kiss him with his big bald head. Oh, it's also fun. Uh, Jason Momoa as uh, Duncan Idaho mm. is phenomenal casting. Yeah, if you feel bad about him dying, don't because he's uh, he's gonna come back again and again and again. I, if he, I hope he comes back in part two. They have to bring him back. Oh, he's, he's, would... he's like, he's like the he's. That's what's so fascinating about um, returning characters in these books. He's like, he's in all of them for some reason. He, he starts off as a side character, but because he's getting cloned constantly, he's in, like, all of the books for some fucking reason. I love that character. I, you know what? And Jason Momoa can do it. It's not like he has nothing else to do. Okay. Aquaman 2 bombed, so he's like, fuck, I'm free. I'll do more movies. And I, I just want to see him uh, interact with the big worm. That, that's, uh, that's, our, that's... That, that's such, that's such a fascinating book because it's also like a pro and self thing. Because uh, Little Two is like, he can't fuck anymore because he's a 50 foot tall worm and his only friend is the hound of clone of Jason Momoa. And he's like, uh, why do you keep like bringing me back from the dead? And Little Two is like, well, my granddad had a Duncan in Idaho and my dad had a Duncan in Idaho, so I need one as well. Yeah, no, that's the, that's my ultimate hope is we get that. But that's what the, that's one of the weird parts about the franchise potential of Dune is we have to bring up all of this insane shit. They're clearly trying to make this like going to the Furman casting. We have uh, Zendaya as um, Paul Atreides is uh, you know girlfriend in quote unquote. Yeah, she's or... the uh, the trad GF that Paul has to uh, rise up. That's um, it's going to be interesting uh, in the next movie. He has to like marry fucking uh, Florence Pupu for political yeah. reasons. Yeah. He's like, he's actually like banging his uh, his trad desert GF. Yeah. Casting that I feel like I, I know why they did it because she's mm. a draw. The only reason my sister saw this movie is because she <laughs> told this story i'm like she would have never watched this movie if she was not in it i imagine the horrific shipping community online is gonna love mm. this movie she's only in this for like five minutes at the end yeah. and it's uh yes i could i could take it or leave her i've never been a zendaya stan no, I mean, but... and javier bardem is uh, obviously the guy who steals it oh, hell yeah. he fucking he's in this again a lot of the actors in this castle are in this for like five minutes max because um, yeah, it's, it's it's very much like a cameo movie. Villeneuve is is setting these guys up for much bigger roles in the next movie. I, if, if you're if you're gonna replace uh, Everett McGill with someone, then yeah, fuck it, I'll be about him. I think it's also just I think a lot of the reason people wanted to do this movie is someone's adapting Dune. That the balls to even try to do that, you at least want to be a part of that regardless if it's a failure or not but also i think Villeneuve has gotten that reputation as like an auteur friendly director and we see this a lot like a lot of these like older actors are gravitating towards working uh, uh tom cruise just announced he's going to do a movie with um Inuritu, uh the director of the revenant and uh you know babel and things like that like i think i think it's just 
you know, you do Marvel shit or stupid green screen shit long enough. I feel like I just want to be directed by an actual fucking filmmaker for once. Yeah, and they do like he's uh, giving Christopher Walken a nice, uh, a nice cushy role in that uh, in that next that's movie. Such a good I haven't seen him for a while. Oh hell yeah! That's such a good casting call because it's just like who else to play the old bitter emperor of the universe? Like, <laughs> and it'd be very interesting to see if he does get a good like. I, this is completely off topic, but I, I rewatched A View to a Kill recently again. Fuck yeah. And it was on TV. I said, fuck it, I'll watch it. And the scene where Christopher Walken yells, More, more power. Is just one of <laughs> Just. I started laughing uncontrollably. Like, just all of a sudden. Just, just great fucking moment. A very underrated Christopher Walken moment right there. Well, Walken's interesting because he's half big budget movies like Bond. And then he would do like balls and fury and shit, playing like a like gay Chinese guy. That's sort of the weirdest cat. My God, <laughs> I've only seen that movie. Like I've seen half of that movie, and I remember it vividly because I'm like, what it's... the fuck is going on here? I rewatched it at the start of uh, COVID with some friends, and I still insist it's it's pretty funny. Oh, him and uh, James Hong having a show brother <laughs> style fight in a bridge with fucking uh, ping pong balls. I'm not gonna lie, it's very entertaining. It's, yeah, I'm, it's, I'm it's not, certainly worth a rewatch. It's, I may as well get into Frank Herbert now. Uh, this is let's get into the mastermind of uh, Dune as a series. Uh, Frank Herbert sucks. I'm just gonna say this right yeah. now. As a, as a writer, baller. As a human being, asshole, asshole. There's no other way to put it. Yeah, because he was uh, he was looking for a successor to. Um... To carry on his series, and he has a uh, two writing sons. Uh, one is actually talented, but because he's a homosexual, Frank Herbert was like, "Yeah, no, uh, you're you're off the list." And he goes with the uh, the much inferior uh, fail son Brian. It's, uh, Brian is such it's a not good. fucking story, man. I do feel yeah. genuinely bad for Brian because he didn't. Want it's, it's like, oh god, no! How how do you end June? How do you end that fucking series? He's he's stuck in a he's stuck in a fucking shit spot, man. I, I don't even think Frank left any extra notes or shit like that. I mean, maybe he did, but I've yeah, read the, those those Brian books. I don't believe for a minute he read anything. His father, if Dad left anything behind, he didn't read it. Chapter House ends on a weird cliffhanger. Where do you go from here? Because it's like a bunch of guys hanging into a field, and Brian Herbert's like. Yeah, fuck it. I'll just, I'll just do the Matrix. I'll, I'll just do evil killer machines and clones and shit. I was like, mean, okay. Okay, yeah, it just doesn't. Yeah, the Brian books are are frustrating, and yeah, and he he does have um like one interesting plot point in the uh, House Harkonnen book. The reason why uh Baron Harkonnen is um is like a fucked up fat guy is uh he starts off the book as handsome. Like he's uh, like skinny to think. He uh, rapes uh, the Reverend Mother, the fucking um, Charlotte Rampling character in this, and she, she puts a fucking voodoo curse on him to, to to grow fat and fucking. It's like a reverse Fenner thing, yeah. like a like gypsy curse. Yeah. It's like yeah, you're fat now. Fuck yeah, you. it's it's like a picture of Dorian Gray almost, where it's just like yeah, yeah. it's kind of like that, but. Yeah, like I said, there's elements of Brian. Again, Brian is such a, a sad character, and like, like I said, obviously the actual talented son um, was not allowed to continue because, and it's weird because Frank Herbert is like a habitual drug user, 
And I say that because he was like a child of the sixties and shit and fucking did all like did all this drugs, all this hallucinogenics. Because you can't write Dune without being on some kind of drug like that. And you think would that would make you more uh, sympathetic, but I guess not. So. Yeah, well, that was the thing of like habitual drug users in the uh, in the sixties and seventies. You either become some like some happy you love flower child happy, or you become Frank Herbert. You become this like weirdo that's into like mapping deserts and stuff. Great science fiction or fantasy authors, they have a Bible that is insane to like they wrote this shit in their spare time. Like a great example is like um all the stuff J.R.R. Tolkien wrote in between Lord of the Rings, all of his like weird notes, the glossary that he wrote while writing those books is just so uh, and it's my favorite joke of Frank Herbert is his comparison to George Lucas. I think you've seen this where everyone brings up the scene from Attack of the Clones. You know, don't do drugs, they're bad. And then Frank Herbert's yeah. like, do all of the drugs right do now. Yeah, the entire plot of Dune revolves around this, like, one drug that could be found in one place. Yeah, it's... And if you take enough of it, you just go crazy and, and become a of, giant one person. This kind of gets yeah. into my weird theory about Dune. This entire book is about Middle Eastern politics. Oh yeah, the, the, the fucking emperor is basically the Shah of Iran. Like, um, if you if you watch that lunch movie, he's he's like, yeah, Jose Ferreira is like purposely like made up to be the Shah, and fucking um, the Duke's like this weird Colonel Gaddafi type figure. Oh, he in the film, um, in the film, like Josh Brolin straight up like that scene where they're like they're all dressed in like Gaddafi style uniforms and shit, like yeah. it's so. Uh, but also, spice is obviously supposed to be fucking oil because everyone wants spice. That's how they power shit, and it that's obvious. But the what that gets me, Paul Atreides has a lot in common with Osama bin Laden. Yeah, he's As, a he's a fucking nepal baby that turns into arch jihadist and kills a bunch of people. Like literally, so. like literally, he has that vision in the film. He talks about like I literally you get to see elements of it in the Villeneuve film, Space Jihad. Like it's it's yeah. the exact fucking story. He like again, Osama was a son of a rich oil baron who abandoned his father's like wishes and just became the fucking head of a terrorist cult in the desert. And I don't know if again, this was he he wrote these books way before Osama bin Laden would ever come to power, but it's it's fascinating how much these books yeah. parallel his life. Paul uh, kind of goes out the same way as uh, Osama bin Laden. He becomes like this weird request figure that's killed by his own people. There goes uh, the prophet of our time, R.I.P. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, like prescient shit in that book, like the whole anti-machine uh, AI stuff. Yeah, we we need um, like human computers to like pilot all our shit and think for us. We kind of have like phones and stuff, or like basic AI because of fucking um, some like horrific Matrix-style war that happened like ten thousand years ago. So that shit's banned. Can we just do that now? Can we just ban fuck declare a fucking jihad against AI before that? Yeah. Before yeah. it takes over. I've seen Terminator. All right, the shit is. <laughs> I thought that shit was supposed to be bad, but um, no, yeah, it's we, just... we 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 record this over Zoom, and what was that fucking like AI thing you were talking about? So the there's like literally add an AI companion to spice <laughs> up your meeting, <laughs> as if human can. Having like multiple human people isn't enough. We gotta have robots in here. It's it's troubling. Yeah, Frank Herbert, piece of shit. But 
My God, some of the shit he wrote about AI is so fucking omnipresent. It's yeah, we need to uh, maybe rethink this stuff before uh, AI fucking takes over the universe and oh, uh, AI revenge. turns everyone into fuck puppets. I've been reading this thing about AI revenge porn, where people literally like take Roman's face and then make AI porn out of it. That's mm. some nightmare shit. Like, and we're just like the only reason we're to stop it is because Elon Musk posted some Taylor Swift AI porn, and I guess that's. I guess that's fucking. That's how we stop it. Okay, fucking. Yeah. If... Elon Musk uh, very much a uh, pro Baron Harkonnen figure. Oh, one hundred percent. He's he hates <laughs> he hates his trans daughter. Uh, he's a psychopath with too much money, uh, too much time on his hands. Loves to fucking. Uh, I'll say this: loves to indulge in drugs and food. I don't know if you've seen him shirtless. Those pictures yeah, are yeah, fucking amazing. <laughs> He 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 looks like those um when the human body is supposed to look like in a hundred years time those like squished up men with <laughs> he, the, the like, necks and shit like their neck is just their body he, that that's what he looks like shirtless that's deeply fucked up and it's so funny he fucking... I, I, I like to think I like to think uh, Grimes put uh, a voodoo curse on him which is why like, he dude. looks like that. I, I, yeah. It's so funny, he's also a fan of this book and he's clearly never read it. Of course it. he fucking is. Yeah. Or if he read it, he clearly didn't understand that subtext just doesn't exist for some people like that. Just... No, well, it's, uh, we talked about it in our Deus Ex episode, he'll just like uncritically consume media, which is like the standard right wing thing now because fucking Starship Troopers is um, making its round again. Oh, and yeah. all the fucking Chodjacks are like, hmm, Casper Vindian, he's he's just like me, killing the bugs. It's like, you know no, you're not. The fucking, uh, Paul Verhoeven had an amazing quote on it, basically. I don't <laughs> have it on my person, but he basically said, I expect this film to come back eventually, because that's, that's the thing when you adapt a fascist novel and you're a non-fascist. Like, Paul Verhoeven's work too is so broad and so silly. You could imagine Casper Van Dien is supposed to be the hero of that film, but the way Paul Verhoeven approaches the material is no, he's a fucking psycho and a lunatic. Yeah. The fact also he casted fucking Neil Patrick Harris and yeah, opened as a Nazi. Yeah. As a Nazi, like it's every like, and it, it, it's so funny. The only reason we we have all this uh, Starship Troopers shit is because of uh, that fucking video game Helldivers. To yeah. becoming such, a, which takes open inspiration from Paul Verhoeven's movie, but it's so funny that just, just at the end of the day, subtext just doesn't exist anymore. No one cares. Fuck it. Yeah, as this, uh, I think the only reason why there hasn't been like a right wing takeover for of Dune is everyone's a space Muslim in that. You've got the jihad, obviously, but there's a lot of references to like the, the, the fucking Wasai and Al Ghulib and stuff. This little white kid, the space Muhammad, is yeah. going to take over the universe and kill a bunch of people. Also, I think uh, I think also the idea Paul Trades doesn't exactly uh, uh, like approach their idea of masculinity. He's a no, no. tiny little boy who, even though he becomes emperor at the end. By the way, spoiler alert for a book. It's so funny we talk about. I hear everyone's like spoilers for Dune. I'm like, this book is from the '60s. Go read the book <laughs> for God's. Unless he completely changes yeah, the ending, but. I can't really see him, like, fuck, we'll talk about it in the next episode, but I can't really see him fucking around with the episode that much. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be fun seeing what he does next. So join us next time for, uh, Dune Part 2. We'll get into the, uh, the probably, uh, esoteric stuff. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Because he, he sees all the fucking, like, future visions and shit. 
for the, for that. You you, you kind of get a little taste of that in this movie, but it's like yeah, we'll save it for the uh, the second one. Uh, this is partly why we'll do our final conclusion in the next episode because you can't really review half a movie as its own thing unless it's something like it where both parts mm. are so radically fucking different that you can just approach it them as their own thing. Yeah. Uh, but it's something that I think I, I, I do I do admire Villeneuve like again taking this weird book and making it a mainstream success and it's amazing that part two even happened because this was released like during like COVID wasn't done yet it was like near the end of it but COVID was still a thing so Warner Brothers released it on HBO like the same day so yeah. and I think this is gonna do very very well I think part two is gonna do well enough that part three is gonna happen because like, obviously, people are excited for this movie. This had three years to build an audience, so I think it's going to do very well. Plus, there's, uh, there's literally nothing else out. Like, what the fuck else are you going to go see? Mean Girls? I don't fucking think that so. That came out, like, fucking a month ago. <laughs> That's how bad it's got. Like, that Jason Statham movie came out a month ago. Nothing, yeah, literally that is, nothing. Literally nothing. So, uh, if Denny Villeneuve has to save modern cinema, I'd rather it be him than the fucking Russo brothers. So, I'll take it. I will take yeah, it, he's, guaranteed. He's, he's very much like the uh, the good, bizarro version of them. They both make uh, these big budget uh, action movies, but uh, one is actually good and the other is, uh, I, is uh, unwatchable. I do kind of hope he goes back to smaller movies. I know he's going to make Dune a huge part, mm. but I would love to see him make, like, make another lower budget I, movie. I can picture uh, Dune Messiah being a much smaller movie, because that's very... Um, there's not a lot of action stuff in that. There's a few like big explosive set pieces, but that's a really character-driven book. Yeah. So I can imagine that, but maybe half the budget of this movie. I, I I'm fearful though. David Zaslav sees the numbers on this one. Mm. So you need to. It's a character piece. You need to add explosions. Fuck you. So. Yeah. But we'll be back. Uh, you'll all hopefully everyone will have seen Dune Part Two by the time this drops. We'll take the time to see it, digest it, and we'll we'll get back to you with them. But until then, uh, stay safe. We, 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 we finally get the uh, the fade voice reveal and see how much of that uh, Elvis accent is uh, hanged on. God damn it! I fucking want. I, I wish he kept it. That's one of like just Faye Rafa comes for y'all. So uh, stay safe, stay yeah. happy, uh, snort some spice, and uh, I'll see y'all. See y'all soon. Eight thousand Atreides. Eight Duke Leto. Eight the Fremen. Eight walking. Love me food. Love me nephews. Love me spice. Love me desert. Love me Iraqis. Love me Dune. Simple as.